0: can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Thank you.
1: Hey, 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 it's Dr. Erica here, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Better with Dr. Erica. This episode features Brandy Junius, and you are in for a treat. She leads global diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts across a multitude of industries, transforming multinational corporations, firms, nonprofit organizations, and local governments. She's also an artist and uses her art to facilitate healing spaces. Now you might be wondering what questions this episode will answer, and I'm about to tell you. Number one, what is an artivist? Yes, I said artivist. Number two, how can art therapy and creative expression be used as tools for healing? Number three, how can creativity enhance diversity, equity, and inclusion work? You'll wanna stay for the whole episode because we talk about everything from art, childhood, therapy, and diversity, equity, inclusion. We talk about a whole bunch of things that I know you're gonna enjoy and that will be useful. Guess what, I got one more thing. You're going to hear some shareable moments. You may even want to take a few notes on this episode. So let me tell you how we share in Better Nation. All you have to do is post on social media with the hashtag Better Nation. Now let's get to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Better with Dr. Erica, and you know I'm your host, Dr. Erica. I am so excited to be with you today, and thanks for choosing to spend this quality time with me because you know you are filling up my love bucket by doing this quality time with me. But you know what? You know who else is filling up my love bucket? It would be my guest today. Now, I have a super fabulous guest. I'm gonna tell you just a little bit because as I told you, for season three, we are acknowledging that Reading bios is not my ministry, even though reading is fundamental and I'm very good at it. I am not going to be the official bio reader. So I'll tell you a couple of quick things beyond the fact that she is totally fabulous and brilliant, and then I'm going to let her do the rest. So I hope you're ready to go on a great ride during this episode. So today I am honored to have Brandy Junius with us. Now, number one, her name is so cool. I mean, I mean, how can she not be great? with a name like that. Now I'm just gonna give a couple of bullets because I I think she's gonna be able to tell you about herself better than I could. And I don't wanna make her sound any less fabulous than she actually is. So she has a background that she works in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Because you know what? It's important. She's an art life coach and is an artivist. So I can't wait to talk to her about what exactly is an artivist. I can take a guess, but I wanna make sure to hear it from the expert. So, doctor, I'm about to call you doctor. Lord Jesus, this is when I spent too much time with doctors. Because I also know a Dr. Brandy. I just elevated your, all of your education right there. I'll take it. <laughs> all right. So, so Brandy, can you tell the people a little bit more about yourself?
2: Yeah. So, um You know, my name is Brandy Junius. I do work in diversity, equity, and inclusion, doing a lot of um, actual advising and practical work, but I'm also an artist and an artivist um, and a therapeutic art life coach. So I bring a lot of mindfulness of therapy, healing spaces, trauma-informed practice, and just deep love for community into the work that I do using creative therapies as a conduit for healing, particularly for communities of color.
1: Can we say that one more time? Creative conduits of healing. I feel like that should be a t shirt or a tagline. That is like the smoothest thing ever.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I know I'm gonna have to put that on like a coffee cup or something, right?
1: Yes, I I love it. And one of the things that you all haven't had a chance to see her in person. Well, some of you may have, because you know, some of some of Brandy's peeps may be logging in. Is that I love how energetic, enthusiastic and creative you are. I love how you show how creativity can be more than just creating art or a product.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I think creativity is a pathway to different parts of yourself depending on whatever it is that you're trying to explore. Um, I use art for healing. I also use art for activism as an artivist. Um, I use uh, art as a way to bring self-awareness to people and to show them ways that they can be empathetic to others across difference just by understanding that we all experience creativity in an emotional sense in very similar ways. So it's absolutely something that's multidimensional for me. I'm sending
1: virtual positive energy over to you right now.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Because I
1: am feeling it. And one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you here is there's this huge theme where we are encouraged to be creative no matter what the outlet is as children. And depending on how that morphs, by the time you go to school, then you go to college, then you get some type of career of some sort. Depending on what you do, a lot of times that creativity isn't nurtured the same way. It is as a child, and I love how you're bridging that gap to really help people be able to be empowered and feel like there's permission for them to continue to be creative even as adults.
2: Absolutely. I feel like creativity is like our first language. You know, we learn how to express creatively before we start putting on all these filters that society says we should put on ourselves and don't express like that and don't create like that. And um, even, you know, in our brain development, there was There was artistic expression that developed differently than our language pathways, right? And so I think it's also helpful to nurture your creativity because it gives you a different way of expressing that sometimes words can't reach, words can't touch. Um, You know, talk is great, talking out emotions and talking out feelings, but sometimes just being able to express freely through art, um, through dance, or any other creative outlets, is a way to really get to a deeper place in yourself, connect deeply with who you were before all of those filters, and, you know, really be able to unpack. I talk a lot when I do art therapy about once you create a piece of art, it gives you some perspective and distance from it. It's not the emotions and feelings aren't just so close inside of you that you can't inspect them properly. Once you get them on paper, you can look at it from a different point of view and maybe see some things that you were going through or see some parts of yourself that you didn't acknowledge before. And it gives you just another point of view to see yourself also.
1: And there are two things that you mentioned in there that just really resonate for me. One is that just freedom of creative expression that you have when you're young, because a lot of you out there, if you think about not only your life as a child, but when you see children that They can color or paint anything and we all think it's cute. It doesn't have to be in the lines. There's literally no rules. It doesn't matter if the colors blend together and turn black or brown. We just think it's great. Or when little kids start singing songs and they're messing up all the words and they may not be on key at all, but it's totally adorable and how there's so much permission and freedom. But as we get older, as we do things, there becomes a standard of it has to be done perfect or it has to be done "Quote unquote," right, and I I love revisiting that creative freedom and that ability to just be. And the second piece in that that I love is that you're bringing out the fact that there are different ways that we express ourselves in different ways emotions, feelings, and perceptions present themselves and that there are other creative ways, especially I'm a huge fan of art therapy. Um, I wish more people had access to it. So one of the things you mentioned, and I'd, I'd love to get a little bit more clarity, not only for myself, but for the audience, what exactly is an artivist?
2: Yeah, so an artivist is a person who uses art as a form of activism. So, um, just to speak about my art specifically, sometimes my art as a form of activism is just painting Black women, putting us Mm -hmm. in a context that we're not typically invited into as works of fine art, right? Um, And by allowing us to have representation in that space, other people can see themselves and go, okay, actually, I am art. Like, I am art. I am a work of art. And I'm allowed to be beautiful and be seen in this way. Um, And so that's one form of art as activism. I do some political art, too, where I ask people to explore where they sit in social tension um, and evaluate if they're really being the allies that they say they are through some of my art. And then I also paint a lot of peaceful things. I paint a lot of flowers and oceans. And for that, for me, that's like healing and peace as a form of radical activism, a a form of radical self-love and nurturing and caring for yourself, allowing yourself to be immersed in peacefulness. Is really a radical act for a lot of people who, um, you know, don't get to experience that in their everyday lives because they're always having to have a guard up. They're always Mm -hmm. having to defend themselves. They're always being attacked for just being who they are. Um, So, you know, whether you're doing something political or you're just caring for people through your art, for me, it's a form of activism.
1: I love all of that. You know what, if I would have tried to figure it out or explain it, it wouldn't have come out anything near as good as that.
2: (laughs) Well thank you.
1: So I I can accept my personal limitations <laughs> and still feel empowered.
2: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> so how did you get into using this creative expression and not only just doing art or creative works but also being able to tie that it was leading you to be an artist? How did that happen?
2: Um, it kind of just happened on accident, honestly. I mean, I was going through my own healing journey and I needed a way to distract myself from myself. Um, I was in a place where I was overthinking everything and just spiraling in anxiety and worry and stress. And I literally like pulled out some of my daughter's like painting supplies, like art stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything official or nice, and I think I had just like painted something random. And I looked up and a a few hours had passed and I was like, oh, that was nice. I like wasn't in my head worrying about all of these things. I actually was able to give myself some space from all of that for a little bit. And it was really wonderful. And so um, one of the things that I noticed in that process was like, oh, this actually came out kind of okay, too. Um, And so then, you know, I had friends that were like, well, what did you do this weekend? And I show them, oh, look, I just painted this like crate or whatever random thing I could find to paint. And they're like, it's really good. Um And so, you know, it kind of was like at the same time developing as an actual artist and using it as a mechanism for my own healing and processing. And so through that, I was like, I think this is a real thing. I think art is really a healing therapy. And I looked into it and became a certified therapeutic art life coach. And I was like, you know, I really want to share this with other people because it's done so much for me. Um, and concurrently working in DEI spaces, being able to see really the deep need for healing for communities of color, for women, for other marginalized folks who've just experienced trauma after trauma after trauma, survivors, right? Of mm-hmm. different different traumas. And so um, really just, seeing myself in the work as a person who needed it and developing out a way to share it with others is how I came to that work.
1: Hey, I love it.
2: <laughs>
1: I, I'm down for that. To- totally, totally, totally down. And one of the things I love is, is that there's so much of a piece of this narrative that centers around self-awareness and, and, the beauty of sometimes becoming self-aware of things in the moment of things that you may not have been aware of moments before that.
2: Absolutely. And I think, you know, I talk a lot about it doesn't matter the outcome of the art when you're engaging in art as a mechanism of therapy or healing. It's the, it's the process of creating where you find yourself, where you get that self-awareness, where you're asking yourself, why do I want her smile to be a, a soft smile and not a big smile? Why? Why is that what I'm reflecting in this piece of art right now? Why is it that I want her eyes to look sad instead of bright? Why is it that I want her hair curly instead of straight, right? And so then as you're making all of these tiny decisions just in painting something, you're becoming more aware of your motivations and where you are emotionally with just certain things, whether it's your own self-image or the way you view things or the way you view life. I chose blue instead of yellow today because I'm sad. Huh? Why am I sad? Right, like it, it allows you to evaluate your thinking around things in a very non-judgmental way because you're just creating art.
1: I'm so excited. <laughs> I don't know if the people out there can hear how excited I am because <laughs> I, I just am, and I, I love the fact that as we're having this conversation around self-awareness, if people have seen me um, speak, a lot of times I'll talk about an equation of self-awareness plus action equals peace. But I really feel like self-awareness plus action can equal a million different things because a lot of times the self-awareness is a motivator um, and a catalyst. But a lot of times the self-awareness alone won't necessarily get you the transformation or the transition or help you meet your goal that very often there has to be some type of action. Within the better seven, those seven areas that are essential to having that better life, one of the things we often talk about is silence and how in that silence, a lot of times you can get more clarity and some self-awareness. But I also love how we're having this conversation around other ways that you can come to self-awareness. And that's the beauty of coming up with I wouldn't just say customized plans because a lot of sometimes it's not necessarily you're coming up with a plan or set of interventions for something or you're calling it that but I love how there are so many different mechanisms where you can find self awareness like some people will find it in traditional meditation some people will find it in more movement that functions like something meditative so there are some people I know that get their best ideas and clarity when they're running, when they're exercising, when they're dancing, when they're doing some type of activity. So I I love that we're having some conversation around different ways you can get to more self-awareness.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the most important parts of my practice is pointing people back to themselves and having them discover for themselves where their um, clarity comes from having them engage in things that maybe, you know, we, especially art, we tell people artists for kids, you know, our, if, if we mm-hmm. have a child who's good at art as they get older, we're like, okay, but you got to pick a real job. And, you know, we kind of socialize them into this mindset that things that we enjoy as kids aren't appropriate for us as adults. Right. And so we don't give ourselves permission to access those options If we're looking at how can we become more self-aware? How can we heal? How can we grow? And all of these are just different pathways for that, you know, and art might not be somebody's thing. Like that might not be somebody's jam, but you know, in understanding the way that creative therapies can open us up and open up our heart space, it can point them back to themselves to say, okay, well, what else can I do? Maybe it's playing music or listening to music, or like you said, running or meditating or stretching, but You know, the important thing is how do we point people back to themselves? Because we're not going to prescribe to them what will be best for them. We want them to discover that as a part of their journey. Um, And so I think that's really important.
1: That's so true. And one of the things I often talk about with people too is what resonates or what feels effective for you in one season may be different. So it's being open to the fact that one season it may be one thing, one season it may be another. You know, because i I'm not a I'm not a traditional artist. My painting days have left me. I color the most when I'm working with kids, and it's glorious. <laughs> I love that. It is it is totally glorious, you know. <laughs> um, but just being open that if something doesn't work as well for you. That it's okay to try something else, that something else may, maybe what is your jam for this season another season and maybe going back to what was, what was your jam before, but I, I love how this conversation is taking us on a path of really being able to be flexible,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, being accepting,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and also being authentic
2: absolutely and i think that's the most important thing if we're talking about using an art as a mecha- using art as a mechanism for healing it's like how can you how can you be authentic with yourself first because you're not going to get that self awareness if you're not even willing to be honest and open with yourself and so whatever modality allows you to peel back that layer with yourself and see yourself not from a judgmental standpoint but from a like okay we're here together and this is who you are. Hmm. What do you have to tell me? What do you have to show me? Where do you need more love poured into you? You know, in what areas do you need to explore? And finding whatever, you know, whether it's creative methods or other things that, that get you through that process. So um, that's definitely how I look at it, at least.
1: And I have to say, I had one advantage of being an only child. As an only child, you're used to having conversations with yourself. Not in a creepy way, but you're used to used to having conversations and thinking things out by yourself. And I I think it's a it's an accidental way that puts you in a place where you can start having these conversations with yourself to get to kind of get to the root of things. But the other thing I, I love about what you said is this the need to be authentic and genuine and transparent with yourself and it's one of the things that i think is extremely important when we start shifting other to other over to other therapeutic relationships that you're not going to get the most out of any type of i'll come back to what i do any kind of mental health therapy pretty much any of them be it traditional psychotherapy be it working with a psychiatrist on medication management be it working with any kind of mental health professional and even even when you're engaging other therapies like art therapy, um, there's also music therapy. There are just a wide variety of types of things that you're going to get the most out of it when you're honest, open, and authentic.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Because the the other person, the professional that's working with you, they're not all the way inside your head. We can do our best to guess, but – any of you out there know, you can guess on the SAT, you probably will not get a good score. So I can guess what I think is going on in your head, <laughs> but you're probably going to get a better intervention if if you're actually honest about it. And one of the things I often see is there this, I won't just say our society, because I don't think it's just ours, is there's so much shame and fear that a lot of times people show up and they're they're not ready to show you their full self because they they're not sure if you're going to be pleased or if mm-hmm. you're going to judge them. And for myself or someone like me to help you I I don't need the representative. I just need you. Mm.
2: That's really, I'm thinking about my relationship with my therapist and like the times where I've had to say, you know, let me just tell you what I really feel about this. Yeah. <laughs> and she was able to help me more. So I definitely get that.
1: Well, it's like dating. People people will show up as the representative. And just as in dating, if you show up in the representative, you might end up dating the wrong person because they, they're they not really dating you. They're dating your representative. That if you see a mental health professional and you show them your representative, you're not gonna get probably exactly what you need. It may not be totally useless, but it's not gonna be as useful as it could be otherwise. Better with Dr. Erica. It's time for Ask Dr. Erica. I recently spoke at the association for the advancement of restorative medicine. Yes, that is a, that is a big chunk of words. And i was speaking to them about burnout versus depression at their annual meeting. I was asked, what is the one thing that I would recommend for someone in healthcare to do that thinks they may have burnout. Now my answer was if someone could only do one thing and this one thing doesn't really matter if you're a healthcare worker or not, this would still be my recommendation. I would recommend getting a therapist. If you're even wondering if you have burnout, most likely something is out of balance. You don't have to wait till you're miserable in crisis to get some help. I strongly feel the highest yield single intervention would be to get a therapist because support, which is one of those better seven, those seven essential things you need for a better life, is so important and it's also the key to taking action. So there you have it, back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. So I know we've been talking about different ways we can show up and different ways you can show up for yourself. And that's something really huge for me. And one of the things that I love is coming out in this conversation because at the end of the day, when you're showing up authentically as you in your therapy or anything that you do, even as a creative, that it's really giving yourself a gift. And at the end of the day, one of my biggest goals is for you for you to put yourself back in your life, for you to be able to be the star of your story. Because I feel like there's so much busyness in the world. It's so easy to get into a situation where your life becomes surrounded about what you're doing for work, your coworkers, your family, your community work, all of these other things. And you somehow turn around one day and look up and you're more like a supporting cast member or an extra in your own life. mm And nobody wants that. And that's one of the biggest things. I do not want that for any of you. And it's one of the reasons I love that we're having this conversation about some different ways you can show up for yourself, which will actually give you a better life when it's all over. So I know we talked about, we've spent some time talking about art therapy and being a creative, but I know you do quite a few different things that we've talked about. How do they come together when you then shift gears and go back into doing DE&I, like in the corporate space or other places? How, do, how does this show up there?
2: Well, I think it shows up in two ways. One, when I spend time with myself, being creative, being authentic, developing out those parts of myself, it builds my capacity to hold space for other people because I'm in a good place. Um Kind of what you were just saying, too, about authenticity, the more you practice being authentic within yourself, it gives others permission to be more authentic, too. So specifically in a diversity, equity and inclusion space, that's what we want. We want others to feel empowered to be their authentic selves. We want to create spaces and environments where folks can be their authentic selves Um, without having to look over their shoulder or feel like they're going to be judged negatively for it. So I think it comes up in that way, but I I think I also bring that into the DEI work that I do. Um, A lot of what I do in the DEI space is some fusion of mindfulness around art therapy, creative therapy, and wellness, bringing it into the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. Um, and I'll give an analogy that I give all of the time. So if I do have any any of my people here listening, they're going to be like, Brandy always uses that same analogy. Um, but I look at DEI work, typical DEI work as, you know, imagine if I go outside and I run, and I trip and fall over a stick. And I... I scrape my knee and I bust my knee open and it's bleeding. A lot of what DEI work does kind of in its current state is they go into the street and they pick up the stick that you tripped and fell over and they go, we fixed it. Right. Mm. Because they, they addressed the thing that caused the harm, um, whether it's, you know, racism, sexism, whatever, all the isms, right? Like we went in and we addressed the thing that caused the harm. Um, And sometimes we forget there's a person still sitting there with their knee gaping open, bleeding, crying, and probably going to have an infection and maybe even have to have their leg amputated if nobody tends to that wound. So a lot of what I like to do and how I bring this all together in the DEI space is also for, you know, not just showing and teaching and analyzing the things that went wrong, but deeply caring for the people who experienced the harm in those situations, in those work environments, in those corporations, in their cultures, in their societies, Um, tending to that wound, that gaping knee that's bleeding out, right? And doing that from a place of understanding how we even got to an environment where nobody even thought about your knee bleeding out right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's one of the most significant ways I bring all of that into the DEI space is really just how do we use wellness as approach to deeply care for the people we're saying we're working on behalf of in these situations.
1: That was very beautifully said. And uh, it also ties back to a lot of the work you do in your art and the artivism (laughs) and the therapeutic art life coaching is that for a lot of people, especially people that are impacted when DE&I doesn't go right, mm-hmm. um, is that workplaces and other environments become traumatic and then people are left holding these traumatic experiences but still having these expectations to function optimally. So I, I love how all of that kind of circles back and connects that the part of the work you're doing is is finding solutions to also care for the people that were traumatized in the situation,
2: yeah, absolutely. And I you know, even when I talk to organizations about it and I talk about the need to create spaces of wellness and communities of care, um, I talk about it not just from the moral perspective of this is the right thing to do, which it is. And this is how you reconcile some of the wrongs that were caused. Um, which you should be doing, but also in, in the vein of what you just said, like, how am I supposed to come to work and be productive? How am I supposed to meet my goals and my targets if I'm constantly being microaggressed, if I'm constantly being talked down to, if I have to feel like I have to shrink, if I have to fold myself into a box, I can't be authentic. How am I supposed to do my best work in that environment, right? So it's really beneficial to everyone um, to take that approach, not just the individual, but, you know, the organization as a whole as well.
1: let me introduce you to better nation better nation is the community of people that follow the better with dr erica podcast that are like you and want to be better do better and live better by becoming a member of better nation you also get to receive member only bonus content to put you officially in the inner circle show notes with timestamps so you don't have to search for your favorite moments and some bonus free coaching tools so visit joinbetternation.com that's joinbetternation.com to become a VIP, and be a part of Better Nation.
2: Better with Dr. Erica.
1: I think that's a, a great note to start transitioning into our speed round. Are you ready?
2: Ooh, okay, yes. <clears throat> okay.
1: Question number one, what are your three favorite songs?
2: Okay, my favorite song of all time, like ever, 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 is In a Sentimental Mood by um, Coltrane and Duke Ellington, that oh, version wow. Um, I also really love Kareem Bailey Ray's uh, Put Your Records On. That song yeah. will get me all the way like in a good space. And then um, Changes by Tupac.
1: See, I love this. This question always has such diverse answers. I was, I was actually in the mall yesterday, and unexpectedly was this sweatshirt that had probably the most artistic rendering of Tupac I have seen on a piece of clothing. That's I was amazing. Like, I was like, okay. Go <laughs> I love that. Uh, knowing that most likely your estate is getting new no profits from the use of your lightness in some of these situations, but right. <laughs> the things you start thinking about when you become an entrepreneur.
2: Ooh, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, ooh, who gave you the license for this? It's cute, though. <laughs>
1: uh, I just, it's just hard for me to believe that all of these things with Tupac uh, are licensed. But uh, I digressed. <laughs> So number two, what's one thing that you do for self-care that is free?
2: Um, Meditation. You, you'd mentioned that earlier. I love silence. I'm an introvert. Uh, Most people don't know this about me. I'm an introvert, (laughs) but um, I, I love to take time for silence and for introspection.
1: Oh, I totally love that. And one of the reasons if you're new to the podcast Part of the reason I asked this question is there used to be this thought that when people talked about self-care, it was going to the spa or going on this elaborate trip, and there are so many things that you can do for your self-care that's actually free. Mm -hmm. So let's go to number three, which is what's something about you that most people don't know?
2: Ooh, um, I have a bit of neurodivergence or neurodiversity, depending on which term you like to use. Um, I... I think of it as a way that heightens some of my creativity and some of the the ways I engage with people, but it also causes some struggles. Um, but most people don't know that because they can't tell. So that's good,
1: I guess. Hey, you know, I, I, I love hearing these kinds of narratives because it's It's some of the things that makes everyone unique and to think differently and to see situations differently. So I'm sure your neurodivergence probably causes you to problem solve some things in a way that other people wouldn't, that may actually be more effective.
2: Yeah, my brain loves a good pattern. Like if there's a pattern to figure out or even like for all the different instruments I play, like being able to recognize the pattern, it's really cool sometimes. And then other times I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to memorize your social security number, but um
1: What had happened was, <laughs> so the last thing is, what's something that has helped you through this pandemic that even though some people want to act like it's over,
2: it ain't really over? No, it's not over. Um, community. Community is the biggest thing that helped me through the pandemic. I'm a single mom. And when everything went on lockdown, and we had to work from home, and then I was also supposed to be helping my kids learn remotely. And my entire village was stripped from me. I had to figure out a new way to have a village um, so that I didn't drown under the weight of the work I had to do the weight of, you know, being a single mom. Mm-hmm being their teacher, being, you know, all of the different things. And so um, being in different communities with parents, being in communities with people who did similar work to me, being in communities with, um, in healing communities. It's like literally saved my sanity. It saved my life because that's really what helped me um, not feel so isolated and alone.
1: Oh, you all need to, you may need to rewind and play that again. Because that, I mean, that was, was excellent because the thing I love in that, and I guess you can tell I love a lot of stuff. I realize I say love a lot. I'm here for it. <laughs> I, I have just realized. I was like, I say it all the time. It's this, this notion of being flexible with your community, that if part of your community isn't available to not necessarily accept that that means you can't have community. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I really appreciate that you just said was, That when part of your community was no longer available, that you sought out alternatives to have other communities so that you still maintain that support. And all of y'all that have been listening to me know support is one of the better seven also.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And for me, I was going through a really hard time in my life when the pandemic hit. So. It it would have been really hard without community. And I think what is it, Bell Hook says that rarely do we ever heal in isolation, right? We always need community for that. And so I and I think we went through a collective trauma with the pandemic and, you know, everything that happened mm-hmm. in that span of time. So we needed each other for sure. All of us, we need each other.
1: Definitely. So we've talked about a few different things, but I'd love to know what are your final thoughts and takeaways for the listeners today?
2: Um, I think my final thoughts and takeaways are one, you know, listen to yourself, spend time deep listening and yourself will lead you to the types of activities that'll help you explore your emotions, help you explore yourself in an authentic way. For me, it was art therapy. For some folks, it's different things. And so I want everyone to feel empowered to take the time to explore that for themselves. Um, but don't spend too much time just in yourself. Also look for community There's communities across all kinds of different interests. I'm a part of artist communities. I'm a part of parent communities. I'm a part of educator communities. I'm a part of DEI communities. And they all feed different parts of myself, and they all help me grow in different ways. And so um, make sure you're carving out time for yourself and spending that introspective time alone, but don't stay there. Make sure you also grab your community.
1: I have no idea yet how I'm going to follow that, but I'm here for all of it, (laughs)
0: like
1: all of it. So while I figure out how I'm going to follow that somehow, how can the people find you if they want some more Brandy Junius?
2: There are a couple of ways folks can find me. Um, I have my art website, which is brandyjuniusart.com. So if you're interested in doing like any of the art therapy stuff, I have links there um, or just taking a look at any of the art. I'm most active on Instagram and my handle is at brandyjunius.art there. Um, I usually answer messages that I get and interact with folks. Um, Again, I spend a lot of time there sharing about the therapeutic art. I do offer a free therapeutic art um, class once a month. It's the first Sunday of every month at 12 p.m. Pacific. And so if you um, go to my Instagram, you can, like, find the link in my bio for that class. Uh, It's called Art Spirit Self. And it's not an art class. I don't teach art. It's therapeutic art. It's using art as a pathway to deeper self-exploration. And that's completely free. It's my love offering to the community. So if you want to engage with me in that capacity, that's open and available as well.
1: So you got that? You need to find her. (laughs) in a healthy way no i'm I'm not um I'm not encourage any stalker vibes but in a healthy way
2: <laughs> I appreciate that
1: <laughs> just saying so what i would wrap up with today is One of the things you may not know is I recently rearranged my office corner. I call it an office corner because I do not have a separate office. I I live in a rather small home that suits me because I don't like having a lot of space I don't use. But previously, I worked from the kitchen counter. Well, now I actually have a whole office corner, desk, lights, everything in a way that I finally use this desk that I've had for at least 10 years and hadn't been using at all. So I'm I'm sitting here and I have this container. It has a whole bunch of little cards with quotes in it. And it's one of those things. It reminds you of those old school calendars where you'd move a day to the front. And I was just reflecting on the card that's here. And it says, listen to your life. All moments are key moments. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to try to say who wrote it but there could be multiple pronunciations of their name and I have not t- had time to look it up. So if you know this dude, please apologize to him if I jack up his name. It says Frederick. It's either Bushner or Bushner, one of those. But the thing I love about that message is that there can be beauty and lessons in, in all of our moments of our life. And one of the things that tends to to bog us down and get in these loops of this negative self-talk is when we start judging the moments. Mm -hmm. And when we use these moments as points of judgment instead of points of lessons and joy. And what I want to encourage you is to use these moments for lessons and joy. The moments that are tough, they're lessons. The moments that are good, they're joy. But start taking some of that judgment out of it. Because that judgment and what follows judgment typically is you're either angry and frustrated, you're sad, you're anxious, or you may have shame. None of those are things you actually are going to enjoy. And that emotional energy may hold you back from other actions that will actually bring you to more joy or subjective feelings of success. Um, So I just want to put it out there that, and really just take in each moment Don't let time just pass and not pay attention to it um, and savor all all of those moments of joy. And as Brandy talked about, the other thing is savor these opportunities for healing. Those are also moments. And seek out healing. Be active in seeking out healing. A lot of the people I work with or I interface with, because I do a multitude of things, healing often doesn't just accidentally happen we wish it would you know i wish i could click my heels three times and everybody be healed or it's a situation of those old faith healers from up in the day back in the day when they took their hand against somebody's head and they pushed it and they're like healed <laughs> um you know that's not the reality for most of us so i just want to encourage you to enjoy every moment and really take stock of the lessons look at it from a non-judgment free lens and And really seek out healing opportunities. So that's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much, Brandy, for taking time out of your super busy schedule to pour into not only my listeners, but to also pour into me. It means a lot. I have to also give a big thank you out there to all of my listeners because you know what you did? You took time out for yourself. So first pat yourself on the back for the fact that you chose you for this amount of time in this podcast to do something for yourself that probably not only will benefit you, but may benefit people in, that you come into contact with personally or professionally. So give yourself a huge hand, like round of applause because you know what, you deserve it. Except if you're driving, you know, you can't you can't give yourself a round of applause and drive safely. I'm not a big um, advocate of the driving with your knees and your thighs. I'm not a fan. So I want you to keep your hands on the wheel if you're driving, but you can give yourself a round of applause when you make it to your destination. So again, thanks for listening in. You know, you can find me here on better with Dr. Erica. I'm so excited to spend quality time with you and just be here for you. Um, as we're in season three, I can't believe we're in the third season. Who knew, who knew and you know what? The third season is not the last season. So we're going to just keep this moving. There are a couple of things I need for you to make sure that we keep having great podcast seasons. The first thing is, if you like what you heard, please do me a favor and subscribe or follow the podcast. It lets me get better content for you and it makes a huge deal. Everybody wants to know how many people are following. So thank you so much in advance. The next thing is, can you um, rate or review it? That would really make my heart sing. And again, it helps me get better content to you. The last thing is, can you share it? You know, this information, doc, uh, I keep calling you Dr. Brandy. Say I'm giving you, um, at some point you're going to get a PhD in real life or on, like honorary, because apparently I just mm-hmm. keep speaking it into existence. Manifest it for me. I like that. Yes. Apparently I'm, I'm manifesting everything. Is that, you know, Brandy was dropping some serious nuggets of information. And I don't want all of this information to just be like the best kept secret. So share. So just let let your friends and family know. You can let your Uber, Lyft driver, the person on the street, your coworker, the person in the cubby next to you, the person you're sitting on a Zoom with, just let them know about the podcast. So that's what I got for you. I have one last thing for you. Take your left hand, put it on your right arm. Take your right hand, put it on your left arm. Give yourself a huge squeeze because you know what? You deserve it. Take some time out for yourself today. Please continue to stay safe. COVID is still out there, even though don't they act like it's not don't believe the lies. And I want us to be able to sit up and have conversations together years from now where everyone is healthy. So please prioritize your health, prioritize your time and prioritize you. Until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button. Then click share and click rate and review. Now don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple podcasts and audible, but I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings until next time. Be better, do better, live better. better with Dr. Erica.
0: If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krokhover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App, and that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.